Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 29th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. And I am going to be, I, I might be a little distracted today because I am also watching the one race at the same time. <laughs> well, all right then. Well, we'll 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 try to keep your attention if we can. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you doing? Pretty fantastic. I'm actually down in the southern half of Saskatchewan today in Regina at a policy convention for the Buffalo Party of Saskatchewan. Oh, and what and what are you doing there? Well, we uh, it's, a, it's an inaugural policy convention because of course the party is quite new so we uh normally um i'm not sure how many people in our audience are engaged enough in politics that they are actually members of political parties but policy conventions lewis i'm sure you've been to one or two tend to be kind of like watching paint dry for a couple of days they uh they often are people who i don't want to sound rude people who don't really know what policy is necessarily arguing over commas and, you know, wordplay. And really what uh, what policy is for a party is the roadmap. You know, party X wants to create a fair and quality healthcare system, for example. And then people will start arguing about, oh, how are we going to implement that? We've got to say, we've got to say that we'll hire more doctors. We've got to say that we'll build hospitals. No, no, none of that stuff gets involved. It's simply, here's the direction we want to go plain and simple so there's been a lot of uh this back and forth of trying to say okay look this is all we're trying to say so <laughs> yeah so it's it's it is fairly um boring let's say exactly yep yeah and uh okay so are you are you a member of the party i am a member of the party yep so i uh and maybe because I've been to too many of these kind of conventions, I, I get a little jaded. It's, it's just like, okay, this doesn't have to drag on because, like I say, this is just the roadmap, the, the 30,000-foot view of like, what you want to accomplish. So then uh, there's this constant struggle of trying to get people to uh, just stay focused on the goal rather than the implementation of it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, the ones I've been to, I mean, they, they even can get kind of heated and everything because, you know, I mean, people don't agree on everything. And uh, and some people think that, you know, there should be a lot more, a lot more detail and in the, uh, in, in those policies and others, others think they should be a little more vague and, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I've seen some pretty good arguments at, at, at some of these conventions yeah we certainly had some when we talked about education because people who've got kids in the system of course want to tweak things to make them better and that's fine with that but yeah but yeah, yeah at least it makes things exciting so, yeah well i mean wasn't there a bit of excitement at the uh upc convention yeah well actually <laughs> that that's a, a good segue. There was a, a caucus meeting because, of course, as you know, Canada, Jason Kenney has resigned as leader of the UCP. Uh, he's going to stay on as premier until a new leader is chosen. Well, one of the 
candidates for leader, Brian Jean, got into a little bit of a heated discussion of his own in one of the latest caucus meetings and actually challenged another MLA to step outside and duke it out there. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Okay, so this wasn't a convention. It was a caucus meeting. Yep. Okay, so, wow. Um, that is not really uh, something that you would want in a potential leader. Well, that's what I'm thinking. A caucus meeting is, well, I guess I've never been to a, a formal caucus meeting, but I would kind of assume that where you would more or less be getting along with people who are like-minded and, and you're setting direction for, well, whatever their agenda was for the day. But uh, Brian Jean and this other gentleman did not agree. And it was, the article I read, it said, was actually at the point when Brian Jean was ready to get out of his chair and another MLA put his hand on Brian Jean's shoulder to hold him in his chair. So whatever oh. it was that marked it, I don't know, but apparently Brian Jean was ready to drop the gloves. Okay. Well, I mean, you never put your hands on somebody. First of all, there's that, and uh, and I mean, like that. That's uh, that's a that's a bit like that's an aggression, a move of aggression when you try and restrain someone in their chair. Yeah. Well, I think that well, the, the, what I got out of it was this this gentleman wasn't the one he wanted to fight, but this guy was just trying to hold him down so he wouldn't get out and fight. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's I mean, the impression I got. But. Either way. I mean, I mean, I can see how that would make someone mad, but I mean, uh, if you want to be leader of the province, I mean, you got to learn to keep it cool. Well, that's just it. If you're planning on being premier, um, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny when Ralph Klein flipped the bird to that protester in Athabasca who was uh, yeah. protesting that pulp mill. But that wasn't aggression. That was just the guy gave Ralph the finger. Ralph flipped it back at him. So, yeah. um, but this but yeah you want to challenge one of your caucus mates to a fist fight well maybe i'm uh you know maybe i'm not so biased in saying i like danielle smith <laughs> yeah well i mean you're kind of biased because you did get oh you know, but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean I, I i listen me along with every everybody else have listened to that interview and i mean she uh she obviously uh has admitted to her mistakes and says that she's learned from them, um, which is good. I mean, I hope, I hope Brian Jean learns from this mistake. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they haven't even set the rules and uh, timelines for the leadership convention yet, or the vote, I should say. Well, I guess the convention would be the same thing. So I don't know how long Brian Jean has to redeem himself, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure this will be a blip in the radar. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what do we got to talk about today? All right, on the show today, get your filthy hands off my firearms. Get your filthy ears out of our conversations. Get that filthy mask off your face. And what about those filthy grave sites? And more. Where do we want to start? Well, let's start at the top. All right. Uh, Lewis, you did a rant yesterday, and you're talking about Canada's upcoming new firearm legislation. 
And it's been telegraphed by David Lametti already, Justice Minister, and Marco the Liar Mendicino, the Public Safety Minister. Uh, but you didn't go far enough. I got to say that uh, I wish you had gone far enough. I wish that all you had talked about that was coming was all that was coming. But as we always say on the show, there's more. Sniper rifles have now been added to a list of guns that are going to be banned. There's going to be money and provinces are going to be encouraged to encourage municipalities who wish to ban handguns outright. And there's even more on the handgun issue that we're going to get into because there was a uh, commentator on ETV's power play that really ticked me off. But uh, you had sent me a little note on the sniper rifle issue this morning that really got me going. Yeah, uh, you know, Polly Sousouvier, or uh, the English translation is Polly Remembers, which is uh, a group of, I think it's two <laughs> um, people that uh, were either parents or, or uh, actually students that were um, at the Ecole Polytechnique in Montreal when, uh, when it got shot up by Mark Lapine. Um, and 14 women were lost their lives that day. Um, I, Polly said that all bolt action rifles are sniper rifles because they are long range, uh, weapons designed to, uh, to kill targets. Uh, at long range, sorry, um, I put the word long range in the wrong spot. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're rifles designed to kill targets at long range, and that all bolt-action rifles are sniper rifles. Well, that's just great, because I happen to have one. Well, what hunter doesn't? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, you can't say that automatic or semi-automatic rifles are designed to the most amount of people in the shortest amount of time, and then say that a bolt-action rifle is a sniper rifle, and uh, well, what's left? I mean, well, I mean, you've got maybe oh, a lever action, uh, which is a you know like a thirty thirty Winchester thirty thirty carbine, the the uh, the the you know, the tip, or the, uh, what do you call it? The um, the traditional cowboy gun. It's like the gun you see in every Western. Um, and, I mean, other than that, I mean, what what else is there? I mean, you, you, ban, you ban those, and you're taking away basically every gun in Canada, which I think is their eventual goal. And Pauly Sassouvier has made no about it they want all guns banned in canada yeah well actually and that's exactly what i was going to say i mean that, that is their goal they want to get all guns taken care of i mean what i find ridiculous is yeah i've got a bolt action rifle with a scope on it because well, i'm a target shooter and i like to see the end of the range where i'm going so uh but, but my rifle is sighted in for 200 yards so as far as i'm concerned if something's close enough i can throw rocks at it i'm not exactly calling my gun a sniper rifle well if you can throw a rock 200 yards <laughs> I mean, 
you got a hell of an arm on you. You should be trying out for the Blue Jays. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, I've got, I've got uh, three. Uh, nope, four. I've got four bolt action rifle scopes. Um, one happens to be a twenty-two, which is definitely not a sniper rifle. Uh, another is a 243, definitely not a sniper rifle. Another is a 270, definitely not a sniper rifle. And another is a 300 Win Mag, and that is definitely not a sniper rifle. Um, I mean, if you've ever seen a, an actual sniper rifle, they're about twice as long as a regular rifle. I mean, they're, they're substantial. I mean, they, they weigh like 20 pounds. They're, I've seen them. I mean, they're, they're big, they're heavy because you're not supposed to be able to, like, you're not carrying these things around really. I mean, they're uh, like, like actual snipers in the military. I mean, they set up and they wait, you know, and they're not, and I mean, like a, like a, I suggest like someone, like you actually go out and, or Google it and look at the difference between a sniper rifle and a, and a, say a 308 British or something like that and see what the difference is. I mean, it's, it, it's pretty substantial, the difference between what an actual, like a, a gun that's actually designed for sniper uh, use. Oh, yeah. And people, Oh, excuse me. I was talking. I have talked to some people who have said that. Oh, well, I'm sure they just mean like the 50 cal. It's like, well, then they need to come out and say that's what they mean. Uh, they, cool. Especially I mean, when they poly yeah, I mean, like, but I, mean, but I mean, a 50 cal isn't even a sniper rifle. No, it's not. I mean, a 50 cal is like an anti tank gun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the call that a sniper rifle is a lie, too. I mean, and, and, and you know what the funny thing is, is that 50 cal in Canada as a, uh, uh, as a restricted for as long as I can remember. And I don't recall a single incident in Canadian history where a 50 cal was used to murder somebody. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's funny to me because I know how big they are. But you're right. I mean, if someone wanted to use one of those to murder somebody, they would, uh, they'd be caught pretty quickly. You can't exactly run away with one of those. <laughs> no. And I mean, they get, I mean, they have to be mounted to your vehicle. Like you can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, that's what is mounted on, on the top of Humvees, right? I mean, you can't. You know, carry one of these into town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so, what else we got coming on Monday? Well, well I mean, I've I've heard uh, one thing that I've heard on online. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's it's a rumor um, that all semi-automatics are going to be banned. Um, that is a, a rumor. I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, like it, or semi-automatic centerfires, I think is what they said, um, which would include all semi-automatic shotguns as well. Right. Well, 
Possibly. I mean, what I've read so far is that they are going to require magazines need to be permanently altered so they can never hold more than five rounds, which I said, um, that's already in place. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's all right. Maybe, maybe it's going to include, uh, you know, magazines that are attached that are not detachable. Um, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, you know, my dad's 30, 30 Winchester is going to be a problem. I mean, those things hold eight. Right. And yeah. So, I mean, and, and my dad's gun is, God, it's probably 80 years old. I mean, or more. I mean, you don't, why do you, that's, you're ruining it. Well, they are. Yep. And um, if hopefully those of you who are interested in firearms already have your personal acquisition license because now if you apply for that pal your background checks won't just be the last five years of your life there's going to be a lifetime background check yeah, but I we think about how people do stupid things when they're younger <laughs> this could catch up to you really fast yeah why like i don't understand the lifetime thing i mean how can you how can you hold something against someone that they did when they were 16 or 18 or even 10 years ago i mean i mean people people uh people learn from their mistakes and become better people yeah so i mean again this is um what you had said earlier is that they just want to make certain they keep firearms out of everybody's hands so they're going to make it yeah is this is this like along the lines of you know the left wing's uh you know, no road to redemption policy. I mean, like if you've ever made a mistake in your life, you, you're, you're SOL forever. Well, you, you know, it's funny you say that because the left is great on, on that very issue when it comes to their opponents, but yet when it comes to criminals, they, the focus is always on the rehabilitation of the criminal, not on punishing them. So, well, yeah, but is, isn't it crazy how, you know, they remove the minimum sentencing for gun crimes, but then they make everything a gun crime. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and it's like, uh, all these, all these people who were in prison for attempted murder and, or, or aggravated assault or, or things like that, they're, they're all getting out on bail or getting out of prison early and they're all committing these crimes all over again. And I mean, it's been in the news a lot lately. It has. There's actually some good articles too. Like one I'd read, and it was from the Toronto Sun, uh, so you know, hardly a fringe publication. And it, it listed off about ten different criminals who had committed multiple murders, gotten out of jail, and gotten right back into a life of crime. So uh, you know, rehabilitation doesn't always work, but uh, in a way, this they're when they talk about the uh, personal acquisition license. They are broadening uh, applicants for so they can search into history of intimate partner violence. And you're going to hate this one, Lewis. They're going to check in and be examining, checking for online threats. If you've ever made an online threat, now who establishes the parameters for what is considered an online threat? Uh, oh boy. 
that. Yes. So, you know, if, if I posted on your Facebook that, hey, you're a tool on this, I'm going to smack you next time I see you. Is that an online threat or is that just two dudes who are friends talking smack? Well, see, and that's the problem, right? That's the problem with using internet um, inform- like, like quotes from the internet because you don't see intent. And, I mean, and the thing, I mean, you could take something we said on the show, put it in print, and have a totally different meaning. Because you don't hear the voice, you don't know what the intent is. And, I mean, so what, like, that's, that's a sketchy thing to do. Um, because who decides what a threat is? They've already decided that words are violence, right? So, exactly. So, what what words are are going to mean that you've threatened someone? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, I, at this point, I mean, it's it's like maybe we, I just need to get off the internet. Maybe I just need to, you know, delete my Facebook page, get rid of all that stuff, and um, and not. And not have it anymore because I mean it's all going to. Yeah, well, and, and on that vein, there's also uh, talk about putting in some red flag laws, so then they can the police can swoop in and immediately remove firearms if an owner is deemed to be a threat to themselves or others, which begs the question to me: How would the police know there's firearms there? Well, I mean, a, a licensed firearm owner is in the in the database, right? So, I mean, True, I, well, a license, sorry, a licensed person is in the database. Doesn't mean they have guns. I mean, I was right. licensed. I was licensed for many, many years before I bought my first gun. Um, but, uh, but I mean, you know, it's funny because, uh, like my my longest friend is an RCMP officer and when he became a cop uh I asked him I said you know like about the you know long gun registry because it was still in place when he became a cop like what I said what what good is it and he said it's not there is no use for it he says because he said yeah you know the the stats show that that RCMP access the database, you know, uh, twenty thousand times a day or something. And uh, he said, "But that's because we don't have a choice. As soon as we run someone's driver's license for pulling them over for a speeding ticket, the the search automatically checked the long gun registry to see if they had firearms." So he he said, we didn't have a choice. He said, now, is it useful? No. As soon as you see, oh, he does, there's no firearms registered to this person. He said, are you going to still approach him as if he doesn't have guns? No, because that's when you're dead. And so he said, "You you approach every single situation as if there's a as if there may be a gun there, regardless of what the registry said." And he said it was a useless registry because he says you approach every single situation as if there's a gun. 
No, I think that's fair. So, uh, so, so these these registries are BS. Oh, totally are. Yeah, and uh, to wrap this segment up, uh, there's one positive that I see from their announcement, and that is if they follow through, is increasing the maximum penalties for firearms trafficking and smuggling. They haven't actually said they're going to increase resources at the border, but I do actually like that one part. Well, I mean, what good is it if they don't even get the minimums? Yeah, well, I mean, if they're if they're going to... Yeah, I guess, yeah, good point. It doesn't say they actually had to impose those maximums. It just said they would increase the maximum, so... Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, nobody gets the maximum anyway, so who cares if they raise it? Well, yeah, I guess, good point. I mean, it's such a ridiculous thing. Oh, yeah, we're doing so much for gun crimes. We're we're raising the maximums. Yeah, but you eliminated the minimums, so what's the point? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. people, career criminals aren't even getting the maximum. So who cares if you raise the maximum? It's like that, that makes me mad. That makes me mad because it, it's a it's it's a we did nothing to look good. You know, yeah. like like it, it's they're just they're just doing that to make themselves look good, even though they didn't do anything. It, I, I, there's so much that I, I that 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 these that these idiots do that that just pisses me off because. They, what they're doing doesn't do anything. And raising the maximums doesn't do anything if nobody gets the maximum. And, oh. and I mean, I, I, it's like I, I just... Uh, it, it's becoming harder and harder. I, like I said this to you in a personal text. I said, you know, I, this country, Canada, has more wilderness than every other country in the world except Russia. And yet, our country is so anti-gun, and I don't get it. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. So, uh, well, from government to talk a lot and do nothing to government to well, actually doing something, which is going to produce nothing. Bill 96 is now law in Quebec. Now, Bill 96, I'm sure you all heard of it. It is the law in Quebec that is now states that well. Any personal conversations in service, I guess in, in personal service, like medical services, your visit with your doctor now has to be conducted in French. Any companies that are 25 employees or more, conversations in the workplace have to be conducted in French. And the, this is the best part, is that the language police in Quebec have unlimited rights for search and seizure without a warrant to make certain that those conversations are taking place in French. And the only exceptions at the doctor's office, for example, will be if you can prove you attended an English language school elsewhere in Canada, or if you were an immigrant who arrived within the last six months. Oh, so in six months, you're supposed to learn French fluently? Absolutely. And if a doctor dares to violate that right, it only takes an anonymous complaint for the language police to come in there and seize their medical records without a warrant, by the way. Holy. Like, yeah, without a warrant. Without a warrant, they can just walk in and say, yep, we need that right now. Uh, you know what? I, I think someone's going to take this to the Supreme Court and it will be shot down. You cannot 
you can't take medical records without a warrant legally. I mean, that's that's not constitutionally allowed. Yeah, well, and there's a lot in this bill that I think is going to end up in court. And, of course, the Quebec government has already said, oh, we'll invoke Section 33 of the Charter, that notwithstanding clause, which is supposed to be kind of like the, the very last thing you do. And now they're saying, no, we're going to start by using the, the uh, Section 33. So it's uh, it's going to get ugly. And I think it's all just because there happens to be an election coming in Quebec in August or July. It's July or August. I think it's August. So. You know, this is one more reason not to live in Quebec. Well, and consider this, Canada. Now, the northern Quebec, where the Inuit and First Nations uh, people are, was only absorbed into Quebec in 1912. Um, our own Governor General Mary Simon is actually from Northern Quebec. Her first language was Inuktitut, and her second language was English. That was where she when she went to school. Yeah, so, she does not speak French. Exactly. And so, but now she gets swept up in this as, you know, as well as all of the people in Northern Quebec, and they are just livid because, well, they've already learned two languages, but now, nope, you will have to speak in French up in an area of Quebec where nobody speaks French. Yeah, I mean, I it don't and don't um, think that that's the only place in Quebec that doesn't speak French. There's English communities in Quebec, including Montreal. I mean, half of Montreal, English is the first language. Well, good point. I mean, I, 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 my wife is from Montreal. I've been out there a lot. And you go to like a mall or something in, in the West Island and you are greeted with bonjour, hello. And then whatever language you respond in is the language I speak to you in. That is illegal now, by the way. It I'm will be, yep. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because it's the only place in Quebec. Like I, I speak fluent French, but it's the only place in Quebec where I've actually felt welcome is in, you know, the West Island of Montreal where, where they greet you in both languages and, and then respond to you back to you in whatever language you speak. And it's, uh, otherwise, you know, I've been to Quebec city. I feel very, um, despite the fact that Quebec city tends to vote conservative, I, I don't, I don't feel like they even want me there. <laughs> right. Like Quebec City is a very unfriendly city when it comes if you speak English. Um so yeah, it's it's not a I I don't know what to say. I mean, I mean I do I understand wanting to preserve a language. I do. I really do understand that. I mean, if you go to parts of greater Vancouver, uh you won't hear English being spoken. Um if you go to Richmond, I mean Richmond is basically hong kong i mean there's it's it's all chinese and the sign the the restaurants the businesses they all have chinese on the signs barely yearly there are businesses that don't have any english on their signs it's just chinese characters so i mean i do understand wanting to have some language laws in place to prevent something like that from happening. I mean, this is an English speaking country. 
you go into a city and there's almost no English to be seen on businesses. And uh, it's not promoting these immigrants to learn English, right? Because they don't have to. They live in a community where they don't even have to speak English. So they're not learning it. So, I mean, I, I get, I understand it to a degree, but the extent that the Quebec government is going to is unbelievable. I mean, well, that's unconstitutional. Well, it is. And part of the Bill 96 is that the those companies that are have 25 employees or more will have to get government certification that they do function primarily in French. And they must take, quote unquote, reasonable measures to ensure that non-French languages are spoken as little as possible in the workplace or ideally not at all. So it's... Um, like, like you say, I actually, I get it because you want to protect your language. And I, uh, and you know, when I've been to Quebec before, I've actually been out to some smaller towns in eastern Quebec where nobody speaks English. And I was actually treated quite well because at least I tried to speak French for a little, you know, my very, very limited French. And people were very helpful, but they also yeah. uh, could get it that, okay, this guy doesn't speak French. So, yeah. Well, like the town that my wife is from is, is not, she's not from, Montreal itself. She's from a town about half an hour outside Montreal, and it's a very French community. And in and in in times past, has been a very separatist community. They're oftentimes represented by a Bloc Québécois or um, or a member. And yet, people have never treated me poorly for you know having trouble with the language or anything like that. Because you know, I mean. I learned all my French in school and I've been out of school for a long time. So it's a bit rusty. And so when I speak it, you can tell that it's not my first language. And, um, but those people, you know, in that largely separatist town still treated me fairly well. I, I was never treated poorly. Um, Quebec city. Yeah. They, they, there's a difference there. I mean, but, uh, and, and the Eastern townships that you're talking about, I mean, yeah, they're very, very friendly people, very welcoming, regardless of your language uh, that you speak. Yeah, so, uh, all right, well, let, let's go from that to, uh, well, one of your favorite topics, Lewis. Do you like being right? I love being right, except in most cases. <laughs> well, this is one of those cases where not only were you right, you were actually one of the very first people in the talking head space out here in Canadian politics that was right. Now, it's been one year since the discovery of the graveyard at the Kamloops uh, Indian Residential School, and so far they've not dug up any any uh, any remains. They've not actually even proven that there are missing bodies attached to those remains and where you were right is they uh they've really ran away from the whole ground penetrating radar idea because you were the first guy who said hey i've got some experience with this and it's not going to find bodies and you were right yeah this is there i've been seeing this since that whole thing started and i think i'm the only one uh i mean not to take anything away from you, but but I I actually have experience with ground penetrating radar, and 
I think I'm the only one who publicly comments on Canadian politics who said, whoa, let's take a step back here and wait and find out what any of this is because ground penetrating radar does not show you bodies. It does not show anything except a difference in density of the soil or a disturbance in the soil or uh, in the soil, which could be a stump. It could be anything, right? Um, there's, it does not show skeletons. It does not show bodies. It does not show anything like that. That's not how ground penetrating radar works. And, and yeah, I was, I was the only one who publicly comments on politics in this country that said, let's wait a minute here and let's find out what they really are. And, uh, and now I mean, I just I just shared an article with you from the National Post. Um, I don't know if we posted that on our Facebook or not, but we should. Uh, it's it is a very long read. It might take you twenty minutes to read it, um, but it is a uh, it's it, it's a very good article about the fact that the media got it all wrong. The politicians got it all wrong. That you know, Canada, the many of these so-called unmarked grave sites were well-known uh, cemeteries to the communities, to the reserves to everybody they all knew about them because they were using them um the one in cranbrook where there was like i think they said 700 or something uh unmarked graves were found and people freaked out over that it the former chief came out and said this is a graveyard that we all know about we all visited to to mourn our our family members like it's it's a it's a cemetery and that the wooden crosses had been lost to a grass fire many, many years ago. And, uh, and, and it turns out there's more and more people coming out saying that all of these unmarked gravesites that they found were, were known cemeteries. I mean, the one in Cranbrook, they, they only... The only reason they had the ground penetrating radar there was to make sure that they didn't put fence posts in a gravesite because they because it was a known cemetery. It's 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 a you know a cemetery that everybody used and knew about. Yeah, um, and that article too that uh, you're that you're referencing even states in there that he the author actually feels bad for a lot of First Nations communities. He says because they've been their cause, I guess if you want to call it that had been completely hijacked by media types and, you know, the grievance collectors. And, you know, now they're coming out and, you know, the First Nations themselves are saying, hold on a minute here. This is not what we were saying. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's, and, and so, yeah, I mean, this is, like I said, this, this is one time that I am glad I'm right. Um, most of the time that you say, 
that I've been proven right. I don't like being right <laughs> um, because it's always bad stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am glad that I'm right on this because uh, it's not, I, I don't want people, you know, non-Canadians to think that, that, that Canada is full of murderous barbarians, which is how they're trying to portray it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So we'll, uh, we'll move off that one. We've got a couple more things to get to here. The Alberta Court of Appeal has ruled that Bill C-69 is unconstitutional. Now, Bill C-69, for those of you who need a refresher, is what Jason Kenney called the No More Pipelines Bill. It was an amendment to, um, I think they called it the Environmental Assessment Act. But really what it meant was we're going to move the goalposts so far away that no, no resource project is ever going to get approved again. And the, the Court of Appeal in Alberta ruled that, nope, you're messing with resources, which are provincial jurisdictions, so let's go back and try again. So a brief reprieve, but you know this is going to be going to the Supreme Court of Canada. Oh, of course. And, I mean, I'm glad that they struck it down. Um, I uh, I hope that I hope it stays struck down. I hope they don't appeal it to the Supreme Court, but I mean, they, I'm sure they will. Um, it's not something that should ever have been passed in the first place. I mean, yeah. it's one of those, and, and it's a bill that only seems to kind of get applied um, sometimes. <laughs> it gets applied to, <laughs> it's applied to oil projects and pipelines and stuff like that but it's not applied to concrete plants and it's not uh, applied to offshore oil rigs in the east coast it's not applied to uh, open pit mines but it's but it is applied to oil yeah exactly so it's a kind of a hypocritical bill so i'm i'm hoping that at the very least, the federal government has to take a look at it and say, well, hey, maybe we need to tweak this so that we can be a bit more fair. But I don't see that happening. No, I don't either. I mean, it, it's a bill that's directly targeted at Western Canada. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's you know, specifically at the oil and gas industry, because like you say, it's very much anti-pipeline, but it's okay for the... Uh, Bayview Nord project in Newfoundland, for example. It was fine for that cement plant in the Gas Bay that you referred to. And it seems to be okay with, you know, different kind of electricity generating plants. But, yeah, not those dirty pipelines. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's, uh, I, there is, like, I, I don't understand how people in Ontario don't see this. Like, there, there's an active political war against Western Canada and our resource sectors. And it's, it's, uh, it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, and actually that's a, a good way to segue into our last little chat for the day. Uh, ideological warfare by the Canadian government. Now that Australia and New Zealand have decided to adopt some common sense, Canada is the only Western country in the world that still maintains the vaccine passports and mask mandates on air travel. And we're in the company of, well, communist China in that regard. Oh. And that's it. <laughs> Interesting. 
yep, we uh, yep, Canada, as of course the government has said, they continue to follow the science. So I'm guessing that means Canada's science is different than the rest of the world's science because everybody else has decided they can move on, but not Canada. No, I, there there was a, a cold desperation in Canada for holding on to our COVID restrictions. And, I, and I'm going to say it. I mean, the... Uh, the whole thing with uh, COVID restrictions and the trucker trucker convoy, I'm sorry, but if you look at government is just like desperately trying to hold on to COVID restrictions, even now when COVID is hits over, um, it's a good thing the trucker convoy took place. Well, yeah, because, because of them, a lot of provincial mandates got dropped, like, immediately. Yeah, immediately they started dropping. and But our federal government just doesn't want to let go. And we said this at the beginning, at the beginning, remember? We said on this show that when you give up your rights, the government does not want to give them back. And, yeah. uh, and, and they're Yeah, exactly. And I uh, I think actually that's probably a really good place to wrap the show up. When the government takes away your rights, they don't want to give them back. And they're, they're proving it to us right now. Yeah. All right, Canada. Well, we'll let Lewis get back to the Formula One. You've done a great job keeping on, on the show on topics. So, uh, so good job. I know you really thought are a big fan of Formula One. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and right, right here at the end of the show, one of the one of the Formula One cars just had a big crash and actually split right in half. Oh my god! Yeah, so I was like a little bit distracted for a second there. So I apologize <laughs> to the listeners if I uh, was a little quiet for a minute. I had to make. I, I was worried that the driver was going to walk away here. But yeah, well, good. At least that uh, the driver is still still in one piece. So uh... yeah, he, he climbed out of the car. He's walking away from the car, so it's it's good. But yeah, the car is split right in half. So oh my gosh. Yeah. Well. All right, Canada. Well, we'll leave it there for the week. Uh, thank you for joining us. And until next week, it is Tony and Saskatchewan and Lewis out here in BC. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night, Canada. and Tony.